It's just about 7.33. So CES 2020 may have faced some harsh criticism for a lazy attempt to emulate diversity, as they said, by having President Trump's daughter Ivanka deliver a keynote speech, despite having no particular background in science and technology. But away from that, it was still, as ever, a chance to check out the world's latest shiny gadgets from the world's smallest wireless earbuds to invisible keyboards. How does that work? Let's hear more from digital correspondent and consultant Sarah Evans, first of all, joining us on the line from Las Vegas. And uh, I hope Thank you're having you a good time there. Me. Good morning to you from Seoul. Good morning. It's been a lovely time. Can you describe the uh, the atmosphere there at this moment? You know, there are 170,000 extra people who descend upon the city, so it is very compact and tight. I actually also live here. So over the years, we've seen transportation become an issue. But this year, there are more self-driving options, people promoting their um, autonomous vehicles, and, and more has been done from infrastructure. But it is very busy. Well, I guess we're just after lunchtime for you. So um, you've still got plenty more to come this afternoon. Let's talk about some of the the big talking points, um, some of the popular gimmicks, if you like, are robot kitties and smart trash cans. Uh, What are they and what's the buzz about? The latter seems like it could have more of a practical application as well. You know, we do see a lot of kind of those uh, interesting, I will say, uh, robots that come to life every year at CES and they're very newsworthy. But really what I have found is they're showing what's possible with an internet connection. And uh, it obviously all relies upon our, our strong broadband internet connection. But my theme for the show this year has really been connected life, real community, looking for less siloed technology and seeing more opportunities for us to engage in real life. I don't know about you, but I don't want my face in a screen all day, nor do I want my children to do that. So I'm looking for technology implications that have more to them. So we can see the Charmin toilet paper robot and and have fun with that. But what are the implications for the future? Right. That makes a lot of sense. I I guess the the gimmicks will get attention, but it's the it's the practicality that's going to actually hold sway in 2020 and beyond. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Especially from a, a health and fitness perspective, I've seen some amazing products that really are going to allow people who are visually uh, or hearing impaired to do more in life. But those are the products that really matter to me and also products that are going to improve our community and our environment. One of the areas that we're all waiting to see develop is this robotic technology. And for many of us, when we think of robot, we think of something that's rather humanoid. Um, others maybe are more in the line of smart trash cans, for example. But Samsung-backed startup Neon's so-called artificial humans don't seem to have lived up to their expectation. Why are they being seen as overhyped? I think we've we've built ourselves up, number one, in that area to expect, you know, uh, maybe some things that aren't even possible yet. The other thing that I've come to learn just about their launch is it's something they've created in about four months. So for me, that says if that's what's possible in four months, imagine if we had a year or four, uh, longer than four months, which is... Uh, amazing and also looking for ways that that tech can actually support us and again keep us not continuously on a device so not taking the place of humans or human interaction but how does it support us how does it um, assist I remember last year at the show I saw robots that could help children with autism better understand facial cues you know looking at ways that that tech can really help 
The um, future vehicles have been getting a lot of attention here, also because yeah. of the fact that you've got like Hyundai and Uber collaborating on an air taxi service, but also the yeah. fact that I think generally the world is quite interested in other means of transportation. What do you make of the prototype they showed off there of this flying car? Well, I think it's really exciting. I will tell you, my eight-year-old is ecstatic and cannot wait to have a flying car. I think looking at, you know, CES used to be kind of dubbed a car show as secondarily because of all the, the car technology, even Sony creating a car. And what it tells me is that the technology is very powerful. People are even using cars as marketing points. So while the Sony car might not do anything, it shows their marketability in products that would be found within a car. Um, And again, I think it's another buzz point and buzz where people are fascinated by what's possible, both with autonomous driving, flying cars. If you look at movies from 20 years ago, it was assumed we'd already have flying cars. So we're not there yet. Right. In a sense, we already have flying cars, though, with you know, airplanes, <laughs> they have wheels exactly. and wings. Yeah. Um, but yeah. the, the big difference here is it would be more like a helicopter style lifting straight up off the ground, requiring no runway space and running on electricity and connectivity being self-flying. It all sounds great, but it just needs one accident, doesn't it, to, to keep get the whole thing crashing down, quite literally. Are you worried that we might be rushing too far when we haven't even been able to assure road safety in this world? I mean, I will tell you, I am not typically a version one, a V1 person. I want to see that technology is going to be working. I think with any new technology, you run the risk of risk itself uh, and that there will be um, things that go wrong. But I'm hoping by the time it comes, to general consumer integration, that that it's all all the bugs are figured out. Obviously, if safety is a concern, there will not be adoption. Well, thank you very much, Sarah Evans, digital correspondent and consultant. Good to have you with us, first of all, on the line today. Thank you so much. We can now bring in Jim Harris, management consultant and leading innovation speaker, also joining us from Las Vegas. Thank you for taking the time. Hey, Alex, a pleasure to be on your show. <laughs> Well, great to have you as well. Actually, um, I I referred to this briefly on the show before, but I I had the opportunity to moderate an event uh, that the Seoul City Government was hosting, talking about self-flying vehicles, exactly this kind of thing that Hyundai and Uber were were unveiling. And one of the questions I had, which honestly I don't think people were really able to answer at the time, uh, this was just a few weeks ago, was how do you stop a terrorist from getting into one of these self-flying vehicles and using it as a, as a weapon or hackers from causing havoc. Um, and if you're going to introduce security systems to prevent those things from happening, it could be a very long queue. There are a lot of practical issues to, to overcome, aren't there, whenever we, we introduce exciting technologies. Uh, yeah, there always is. And I was just listening to your prior guest being on the air. When you actually look at air travel, it is the safest form of travel per mile traveled. So, uh, but if you ever have a crash of a plane, um, that gets a lot of news around the entire world. So everybody knows about it, but uh, nobody hears about the 40,000 people that are killed every single year in North America in car accidents are the 2.5 million people who are maimed every year. And so when we move to autonomous vehicles, we're going to be saving 
40,000 lives and 2.5 million people being permanently maimed, and that is great news. Um, So uh, as we move to software and uh, the digitization of transportation, it's going to be safer. So, but our minds always go to the negative first. You know, it's going to be a Terminator world and AI and terrorists and all these things. When you actually look at the number of deaths in America, and I know you're in South Korea, I don't know the stats for um, Seoul, but <clears throat> when you look at the number of people who've been killed by terrorists versus the number of people who've been killed by uh, their family and other Americans with guns, it's a factor of a thousand or ten thousand. So you know, but the terrorists get all the highlight in the media. But in truth, it's not really a very big threat to us. Right. I mean, the, the thing is, you know what it's like getting on an airplane. The the kind of security you've got to go through. They're not going to just allow people to to step straight from the street into a vehicle that's flying in the sky are they or, or is that exactly what's no going no 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 i mean jurisdictions will have requirements like they have to be the pilots will have to be licensed and trained and if there are pilots at all standards and sorry i said if there are pilots at all because they could just be controlled yeah, from the or, ground. or the ai the artificial intelligence if you're a passenger in a an autonomous drone air taxi um they'll have to be tested and certified. And so some city in some state will go first and say, hey, we're interested in being the hub of advanced technologies, and we'll try this out just like they are with uh, autonomous cars. I mean, I, I share your enthusiasm. I also share sympathy with the, with the people who are raising concerns because we, we, we do have to shoot down those concerns. Another one is just making sure the technology is up to scratch. We've had 5G for quite a few months here in, in Korea, and I, I've complained as well about this, that, that my 5G will just occasionally cut out. And um, if you've got enough of these flying vehicles on the road or skies uh, relying on 5G... It, it it doesn't um, perhaps give us great comfort when we don't see 5G working brilliantly at the moment. Um, uh, absolutely, but I am sure the South Korean authorities are going to be very conservative and ensure safety before approving things. Yeah. The other thing is that the majority of us are not going to get home or to work via autonomous air taxi. Like, it just ain't going to happen. We're going to have, you know, it's not going to be something the majority of Koreans or North Americans use for transportation. You know, a a far more uh, likely thing is, and in the shorter term, is autonomous vehicles. And then if you look at some U.S. cities like San Francisco, there are these little scooters that are electric scooters that people rent for an hour or by the minute, uh, like uh, Lime and Bird, and uh, they whiz around the city at 25 miles an hour, and they actually get to where they're going faster than taking a car. And then uh, they use, it's an app-based system of transportation. Yep. So we're seeing an explosive uh, growth in micro-transportation. Now, there are dangers there, like, uh, you know, people don't, wear knee pads and helmets and wrist guards and so on. So uh, 
and then there's always a danger of people have been out drinking at night and then they get on one of these things and uh, so we always have problems when we shift to to new things but the system does work those out yeah and we do have those scooters here as well uh that, that, that certainly seem like they're fun i've not actually taken the opportunity to go on one yet i haven't felt the need but i, I know lots of people who who have um, another side of this uh growing technology and, 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 and need for reliance upon technology is is a question of need, isn't it? Um, for example, we need to do something about air pollution in, in our city. We need to do something about mm-hmm. heavy traffic. Uh, we don't necessarily need all the gadgets that are at CES. What do you think are some of the most practical things that have been shown off this year that could make a big difference to our lives and, and actually fill those needs? Sure. So the average North American spends seven work weeks commuting. So that's uh, seven times 40 hours, right? 280 hours a year commuting to and from work. Like that is a huge waste of time. When we do get to autonomous vehicles, it's going to liberate billions upon billions of hours of time. So you'll still go to work, but you'll be in the back seat. You'll be writing a report. You'll be on your laptop. You'll be, uh, you know, Skyping for work. So uh, it will liberate uh, billions of hours of free time, which is fascinating. That will have a profound societal impact. And once we do have level five autonomous vehicles, we're going to see this huge shift. I predict that uh, two of the major car companies are going to go bankrupt in the next five years. And the reason for that is the cost of electric vehicles is will be cheaper than gas-powered cars <clears throat> in two to three years. That's because the cost of batteries has been the biggest component of electric vehicles, but the cost of those batteries has fallen by 90% over the last five or 10 years, rather. And it's going to fall in half again over the next uh, 10 years. So uh, two to three years from now, electric vehicles become cheaper than gas-powered cars. So that's when you'll see a couple of major global car companies, traditional car companies, go bankrupt. Well, I would love to be in an electric vehicle. I'd love it also if the electricity charging my vehicle was coming from a clean source as well. And that's another whole concern that we can touch on another time. Jim Harris, management consultant and innovation speaker. Thank you for joining us. Alex, it's been such a pleasure to be on this morning and I look forward to being on again. Thank you. Enjoy Las Vegas in the meantime. And well, that's the latest from CES 2020 and some of the headlines that have caught the attention of our two expert consultants who we just spoke to. A further message that might be for Seoul government is is actually creating spaces for autonomous vehicles where everyone is autonomous. You can't really have self-driving cars with human driving cars on the road together, can you? Pound 1013 for 51 per message if you'd like to join us. Get your local and world news right here on This Morning, 7 to 9, Monday through Friday.
on to sport at 7.48. And South Korea opened the men's football qualifying for the Olympics. How did they do yesterday, Andrew Murphy? Good morning. Yes, good morning, Alex. Uh, with a win, but not in a fashion that I think everybody else would have uh, assumed or anticipated them winning. Uh, second half sub, Lee Dong-joon scored in the dying seconds of an otherwise dull match as South Korea defeated China by the narrowest of margins to begin Group C action at the Asian Football Confederation Under-23 Championship in Thailand. He, the 2019 MVP in the second tier, Kaylee Chuk, converted a pass from his Busan I Park teammate, uh, Kim Jingyu, sorry, for the last gas winner. Now, the competition does double as the Continental Qualification Tournament, as you said, for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, with the top three teams moving on to compete in Japan later this year. Now, South Korea's next Group C match will be against Iran on Sunday at 7.15 p.m. local time here in Seoul, and the young Taeguk Warriors will close out the preliminary stage against Uzbekistan next Wednesday, again at 7.15 local time here in Korea. And the men's and women's volleyball teams are also a step closer to qualifying for Tokyo 2020? Yeah, it's, it's uh, that time of year where everyone's trying to uh, punch their ticket to Tokyo next summer, or this summer, I guess. Uh, that's right, the Korean men struggled to beat Qatar 3-2 in their last preliminary match of the men's Tokyo qualification uh, tournament in China right now. Uh, on Thursday, but finished second to the Qataris in Pool B. It was a do-or-die match for the Korean side. If they would have lost, they would have been in third in the pool and missed out on the semifinals. However, following the hard-fought win, Korea had six points to come in second in the pool. Qatar captured the top spot in the pool after claiming seven points. Now, their coach said that Qatar served high, and they are so strong that we failed to receive well in the third and fourth sets. That I'm happy to advance to the semifinals. We will prepare well for tomorrow, no matter which team we will face, either Iran or China. And later in the evening, uh, it, it looked that uh, Iran did win their game. So Korea will face Iran in the semifinal on Saturday night. Now, on the Korean or the women's side of things, uh, they had a much easier road to the semifinals. The women haven't lost a set in the qualification tournament taking place in Thailand with straight-set wins over Indonesia, Iran, and Kazakhstan last night to close things out in their pool. They have definitely been the favorites going through this and heading into the weekend. Now, being the top seed, they will face the second seed from Pool A, which is Chinese Taipei, again on Saturday night at the, I think, one, or 30 minutes later than the men's game. Let's uh, get back to football, but this time... Uh Premier League particularly, but uh, Europe generally, the, the transfer window has got a lot of tongues wagging. No major deals yet to really confirm. No, and I think uh, late last night it's been confirmed that uh, Tottenham Hotspur talisman Harry Kane will have to uh, receive surgery on his hamstring. So that might kickstart some things for Spurs going forward, looking maybe to fill that role. Uh, kind of bad to worse for that team. Now, an update to a story that was covered on your show yesterday about Ashley Young from Manchester United. He has turned down a contract extension from Manchester United, and it looks increasingly likely he will leave Old Trafford uh, later this month. Uh, but 
I'm maybe he could be holding out for some more money. It seems like he kind of holds all the cards in that deal. Now, moving on from there, back to Spurs and the talk with Christian Eriksen. Now, it was talked about last summer that he could have left and gone to Manchester United or even looked like he might have been moving there in this window. Uh, Manchester United have ruled that out and saying that they've taken their bid off the table and that Eriksen will not be moving to Old Trafford in this window. It's looking more and more that that the Spurs, uh, Eriksen, and Ashley Young might be moving to Inter Milan in Syria, a team that has been doing plenty, plenty of work in in the fa- the past six months, looking to establish themselves back in Syria at the top. Now, West Ham, probably the biggest deal that happened in the past few days, they've agreed to a deal in principle, so not of all the, the T's haven't been crossed and the I's haven't been dotted here, uh, to sign Benfica midfielder Gedson Fernandez on an 18-month loan. But they didn't get what they were hoping to get from this. They were hoping to get an obligation to buy. Mm. But the the uh, Portuguese team was not looking on that side of it. They're looking to maybe get uh, their star player at the moment or star young player some more big game time and hopefully cash in on them maybe elsewhere. Andrew, we've got to leave it there. Thanks very much for the latest transfer news or considerations at this point. (laughs) Sounds great.